0: Well, I would ask now, if you would, take out your Bibles with me and turn with us to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, first chapter, first verses of the Bible. This morning we begin a study, not of the book of Genesis as a whole, but of Genesis 1 through 11. The book of Genesis can be split into two parts. Verses um, chapters one through eleven speak about the things that happened at the beginning of history, the creation itself, the fall of man, Noah's flood, the uh, Tower of Babel, and then when you get to Genesis twelve, Genesis twelve through fifty focuses in on a much shorter period of time, the time of the patriarchs—Abraham, Isaac, Jacob—and then the last several chapters focused on Joseph. Well, our study over the next few weeks will be on those first 11 chapters. And this morning we begin with the first verses of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, I encourage you to use one from the seats in front of you. And our passage in those will be found on page 1. And if you are able, I would like for you to stand with me this morning as I read for us the opening verses of the Bible the opening verses, and we're just going to read the first two. The first two verses. Here's what we read. Most of you can quote the first one at least. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You may be seated. When was the last time that you sat outside on a clear night and just looked at the stars? When was the last time you marveled at the glory of our God revealed there? Have you ever had an experience like what David had when he says, When I look at your heavens... And the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set into place. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Have you ever known what it is to ponder the immensity of our universe and how really, really small we are? Have you ever taken time to wonder at the great God who made it all? You and I are just specks on this vast planet we call Earth. And Earth itself is just a small part of a much larger solar system. The center of our solar system is our star, the sun, which is surrounded by eight planets, nine if you count Pluto, five dwarf planets, 173 moons, and billions, with a B, of other objects in orbit around it. Our sun is a yellow dwarf star. It is relatively small compared to other stars. In fact, only a million Earths would fit inside of it. Only a million Earths. And yet, our solar system is one of billions more within our own galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy, which is our home in the universe, contains between 200 and 400 billion stars, each with their own solar systems. In fact, there are other stars in our own galaxy bigger than our entire solar system. Our galaxy is 100,000 light years across. Which means if we could somehow drive across our galactic neighborhood, our galaxy, and let's say that we chose to drive at the speed of light. Seth won't pull us for that. No speed limits in the universe. And so we're going to travel at the the speed of light, 670,616,629.2 miles per hour. Going at that speed, we would arrive at the other end of our galaxy in 75,000 years. And yet the Milky Way galaxy is a modest galaxy among more than 100 billion more now observable by scientists. Some of these galaxies are small, containing no more than 10 million stars, and some are gigantic, including over a trillion stars altogether scientists tell us that the number of stars in our universe is at least 1 times 10 to the 22nd power or 10 billion trillions and Isaiah forty twenty six says God knows every one of them by name what is this all about Why would God create such a vast universe? If the universe is intended for us as human beings, isn't it a bit big? Do we really need all that space? Our planet is like a grain of sand on a mile of seashore. Why did God create such a big universe? Well, I would suggest to you that it's not because human beings need that much space. We don't. It is to display. It is because God intended to display to every generation His own glory. As Psalm 19, 1-2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, And night to night reveals knowledge. Where did our vast universe come from? It came from God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is a simple truth, and it is a truth that is very profound and has many implications for our lives. We will not get out of verses 1 and 2 this morning or tonight. That's how profound these simple verses seem. The first verse of the Bible takes us back in time, back to the beginning of time itself. And this is a period of mystery to us because none of us existed at this time. In fact, nothing existed except God Himself. Before Genesis 1-1, there was only God. There was not God and nothing, as if nothing was a thing. No, there was just God That is all there was. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit existed, and everything else that is at that time was not. Now all we can know about the beginning of creation is what God has revealed to us, because there were no eyewitnesses there to record this great work. Mankind was not created until the sixth day, until the end of the sixth day, until after everything else had already been finished. Remember what God told Job? He asked him, he said, Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. We need to recognize that this is a period of mystery to us. Now the Bible's account of creation in Genesis 1 is composed of only 31 verses. 31 verses to describe the creation of everything. So this is clearly not an exhaustive account. God has not chosen to reveal to us everything about the creation of the universe. In fact, one writer has said that if God had chosen to reveal to us everything about the creation of the universe in books, that collection of books would make the Library of Congress look like the library in a kindergarten classroom. Well, God has not revealed all that to us. Though these chapters tell us what happened in the beginning, we should note that other portions of the Bible tell us about things that took place before Genesis 1. In other words, there are scriptures later in the Bible that tell us about things that happened before page 1 of the Bible. Before the ages began, before the foundations of the earth, God purposed what He would do in creation and history. In fact, the New Testament emphasizes that in particular, God's purpose of salvation for His people was put in place before Genesis 1.1. In Titus 1.2, listen to this, Paul speaks of, quote, eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. God made a promise concerning eternal life. And when did He make that promise? Before the ages began. Now, of course, that raises a question. Who was He promising it to? Right? Who was this promise of salvation to? And, and the obvious answer is that God was promising salvation to His people. But before the ages began, we weren't there to receive His promise. We didn't exist. It appears that Jesus Himself, as our representative before the world began, before you and I were even existed, Christ was our representative with God in the beginning, and God the Father made a promise to the Son concerning our salvation. Listen to 2 Timothy 1.9. Listen to what Paul says here. God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, listen to this, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Before the beginning of Genesis 1 1, God's purpose of salvation had already been expressed as a promise, a covenant made from the Father to the Son, is our representative. This is called the covenant of redemption. Everyone say covenant of redemption. Before we get to a covenant with with Adam or with Noah or with David or with Moses and the Israelites, before we get to Jesus saying this cup is the new covenant established in my blood, before we ever get to those covenants, there was a covenant before the world began. When the Father made a promise to the Son, we're going to save a people for ourselves. Isn't it interesting and wonderful to think that God already knew you and loved you before you were created? That he had already purposed to save you, Christian. Does it not humble you? Does it not cause you to love him more? Well, since God was all that existed in the beginning, it should not surprise us that he is the subject of the first verse. In the beginning, God. Who else could be the subject of the first verse when God was all who existed, right? He and He alone was there. And it is appropriate because it shows us here in the opening words of the Bible that God is the main character of Genesis 1. In fact, the word God appears 31 times in the 31 verses of Genesis 1. He is the subject. He is the focus. Yet God is not only the main character of Genesis 1, wouldn't we agree He's the character of the whole Bible? Indeed, wouldn't we agree that God is the main character of all human history? It is His story. It is about Him. All things are from Him and through Him and for Him, to Him. To Him be glory forever. It's all about God. Who is this God? The name of God used here in Genesis 1 is the name Elohim. Everybody say Elohim. Elohim is a word that refers to someone who is transcendent and supernaturally powerful. The emphasis in Genesis 1 of the name of God is His might, His power. The pagans use the word Elohim to refer to their pantheon of many gods. But the Bible uses the word to speak of only one God. The word is plural in form. And yet in the Hebrew it is used with singular words around it so that it is clear that that Moses here writing this is speaking of one God and yet His name is given to us in the plural. Why? Well, that seems to be a plural of majesty following the Hebrew custom of speaking of someone who is high and lifted up in the plural to reflect their high status. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? Why would the name, one of the names of our God be in the plural? Well, from our New Testament lenses, we know that this seems to be a reference to the Trinity, right? That our God is one, and our God is three persons. Our God is both singular, and our God is plural. It points to the nature of our God. He is one and He is three. Even here in the very first verse of the Bible, the oneness and the Trinitarian nature of our God are already being presented, and especially clearly when you look at it through New Testament lenses. What did God do in the beginning? He created. The word used here is a word that is only used in the Bible of God alone. No other person creates the way God created in Genesis 1. When we create something, we do so with materials previously given to us, but here God has no materials to begin with. He creates out of nothing. He creates everything out of nothing. Ex nihilo. This is something none of us can do. (laughs) And it is one way that we can see that He is God and we are not. If you start having high thoughts of yourself, if you start having thoughts of, oh, I am almost like God, I can be like Him, you create something out of nothing. And you will see very quickly that there is a world of difference between us and the Lord that we worship. In fact, if we can believe what this verse says about God, we can believe any other thing the Bible says about Him. We will not say, oh, I don't know if Jesus can can calm that wind and waves like that. I don't know if I believe that He could raise someone from the dead. If you believe He can create everything out of nothing, all those other things can be believed, can't they? If you believe the first verse of the Bible, you can believe anything else the Bible says about our God. What did God create? He created the heavens and the earth. This phrase, the heavens and the earth, it's what's called a merism. It means it refers to all things. Everything that exists is included in this phrase. In fact, this is a summary of everything we're going to see in the rest of the chapter. Water, light, sky, land, outer space, all that it contains, plants, bird, fish, animals, humans, everything was created by God. And this refers not only to the physical realm, but to the spiritual realm as well. Psalm 148 places the angels of heaven right alongside the sun and the moon and the stars and says, quote, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. Psalm 148, verse 5. Colossians 1:16, speaking of Jesus, says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. So whether we're speaking of physical things like wood or like us, or whether we're speaking of spiritual and invisible things like angels, all were created by our God. Well, Beginning in verse 2, we are given more information about the manner in which God created the world. And our attention is drawn to the original condition of the earth. At verse 2, nothing else yet exists except God... And the earth, it appears that the earth was created first and that the universe around the earth was created later. Moreover, the earth at this point was not as we know it now. What are we told about the earth in verse 2? We're told that it was without form and void. Tohu wabohu is what it says in the Hebrew. Formless and empty. What does this mean? Well, the word tohu, or formless, without form, carries the idea of a wasteland, of a desolate wilderness. For example, in Deuteronomy 32.10, Moses sings this. He sings, He found Him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. And that word translated wilderness is our word tohu, formless, in Genesis 1.2. So when God first created the world, He began with an earth that was formless. Picture a, a, a vast desert in which everything looks the same. There are no forms coming out of it. It is all the same in every direction. Or more suitable here, picture an ocean, a vast ocean. Because the overall picture that we're given in verse 2 is of a watery wasteland that is empty of all life. That's bohu, void. What is being described here is God's raw material for the universe. Just as a potter, begins with a formless lump of clay and then creates it uh, and then forms it and molds it into what he wills. So God created first his raw materials for the universe and his raw materials was this watery wasteland we call earth. We should note, by the way, that just as these words describe what earth was like at its beginning, it also tells us what the earth will be like one day in the future. When I tell you that earth began as a watery wasteland of just stuff. The Bible tells us that it will return to that state one day. You can write these down, go home and read them. Isaiah 34 11 and Jeremiah 4 23 both seem to teach that when God comes and executes his final judgment on this world that same phrase is used it will become again wabohu, formless and void and thus ready for God to make a new heavens and a new earth out of it. Well, God goes on to tell us that darkness was over the face of the deep. So there was no light, there was no life, there was just darkness and depths. Imagine being out in the middle of a vast ocean on a small raft at night. Imagine there are no stars shining, no light from a moon, no marine life in the water below you, All is pitch black, and there are depths upon depths of watery void below you. That gives you an idea of what seems to be being described in verse 2 of the original state of the earth when God created it. Interestingly, most of the pagan myths begin this way as well. The Bible teaches that God created all things out of nothing. But the pagan myths of the Babylonians and the Sumerians, they didn't go back to nothing. They said that everything began with this watery chaos from which the gods were born and everything else springs. You say, how silly. How silly to think that everything just began with this watery substance all by itself. But interestingly, that's still the view predominantly held by scientists today. You go to your your, your, your local community college and talk to the evolutionary biologist, right? Where did did life come from on the earth? How did life begin? And they'll say, well, we have to go back millions or billions of years to a time when the earth was just a a watery planet filled with all kinds of chemicals, a, a soup, a primordial soup, a sea of all of these different chemicals covering the planet. And according to these modern views of science, when certain environmental conditions were met and chemical reactions took place to create what we call RNA, that was the beginning of life. And our life on this planet arose out of a watery non-life. The Christian knows better than this. (laughs) Life does not come from non-life. Life gives birth to life. Which means that if there is life today, there must have been life for all eternity. And there was. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God has always existed. There has never been a time when there was not life. In fact, life existed before non-life. God is the origin of all life in the universe, both physical and spiritual. In the ancient world, the sea represented chaos and disorder. It was the world of the unknown filled with strange and deadly creatures. Many an ancient mariner met his death in a storm that suddenly arose on the open sea. And so in the ancient myths, when the universe began as a watery world, in their minds, the world began out of chaos. Well, God is revealing something very different here. There is no sense at all in verse 2 that our world began as chaos. Just as God took what appeared to the ancients as a chaotic world and transformed it into a glorious universe deemed very good, so God can do the same in us. I hope you see the application I'm bringing out of verse 2. We have this watery wasteland that in the mind of the ancient peoples that represented chaos, that represented evil, and yet God comes and He says, I created this watery world, and then on day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, I brought perfection out of it so that when I got to day 6, I could say, this earth is very good. Well, the same God that brought order to the original creation is the God who loves us and reigns over us. Amen? which means He can bring order out of economic disorder in your life. He can bring order out of relational disorder in your life. Our God is not an author of confusion, nor should His people be, but we should trust Him. Everything has its place and purpose. Whether it seems to us like there's some kind of personal chaos, economic chaos, chaos in our nation, the chaos of war, we can be sure that from God's vantage point, it is not chaos. All is happening according to His sovereign plan. In fact, God has promised His children that every situation that comes into our lives, no matter how terrifying it appears, is a situation from which He will work our good and His glory. So just as He took this original dark and desolate scene and created a paradise out of it, so He will bring us to paradise. Well, Finally, we're told in verse 2 that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The same Holy Spirit that brings life into the hearts of dead sinners is here hovering over the earth like an eagle over her young, preparing the universe for life for God's life-giving word. Just as God's Spirit is often at work in human hearts, preparing their hearts to receive the Word of God, in verse 2, the Holy Spirit is preparing the earth to receive the Word of God, which comes in verse 3, let there be, and it produces fruit. The same Word of the Spirit of God works in our lives today, doesn't it? I pray He was working before you stepped foot in this room this morning, preparing your heart to receive His Word, that when His Word came, fruit would result. The word translated spirit here could also be translated as wind or breath. This is God's wind, His breath over the earth. I can't help but think of the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis's books, in which the God figure, Aslan the lion, he gives life simply by breathing. So also life comes to our world through the breath, the Spirit of God. In fact, as Christians, just think about this. Verse 2, we have the Spirit of God. Verse 3, we have the Word of God. And what results? Order, life, light. Isn't that exactly what happened to us? How were you saved? How were you awoken out of spiritual deadness? How did Jesus give you life? Wasn't it by the Spirit of God and the Word of God? Didn't you hear the gospel, God's truth? And wasn't it accompanied by the Holy Spirit and He brought life to you? What is happening at creation is a parable, a true parable, but a parable of what is happening in Christians' lives every day. As God's Word and Spirit brings us life. There's a lot more here, but we're going to stop and pick up tonight. Let me close this way. Three questions. First, the God that we've seen here in Genesis 1, 1, and 2. Do you believe in this God? Do you believe that these verses reveal God as He really is? A God who creates all things out of nothing. Do you believe that the all-powerful Creator revealed in these verses is the God of the universe who reigns over you right now? Second, do you fear this God? Do you fear this God? Do you stand in awe of His power and might? Do you live with an understanding that your life is in the hands of this God and He has the right to do with you whatever He wills? Are your thoughts of God filled with a deep reverence and solemnity towards Him? Or do you tend to think lightly of God? Do you use His name lightly in vain? Oh God, I had a rough day today. Lordy, Lordy. You people talk that way? You're talking about the God who created all things out of nothing. Show some respect. Do you have a fear for this God? Question three. Are you trusting this God? Are you trusting that the God who can bring life and light out of a watery wasteland can bring life to your soul? Are you trusting in Him to bring you to Himself? Is the God of Genesis 1, 1 and 2 your Father and you His child? Can you say the God of these verses is my God? I know Him and I walk with Him. Have you been pardoned by Him for your sins? Have you been reconciled to Him and brought into His love and blessings? If you have not, know right now that the sovereign God of the universe cares for even you. It is a remarkable thing that the God who who manages the universe would be mindful of us little specks, but He does. He loves us so much that He gave His only Son for us. What a thought. If you are living carelessly towards God, if you are spurning His commands and living each day outside of His promises and will, I would plead with you to turn to Him To acknowledge Him this morning. Trust Him. And then because you trust in Him, begin to walk in His ways. Would you pray with me? Father, it boggles the mind to think of You creating all things out of nothing. But Father, let us remember that You, the same Creator God, are also the God before whom one day we will stand and give an account. So Father, if there are men or women or children in this room that need to call out to You for salvation and forgiveness right now, I pray You would give them the will to do it. And if you're in this room right now, unbelievers, go to God at this very moment. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus and pray for His salvation. Trust Him. Acknowledge to Him that you have no hope of heaven on your own because you've sinned against this God. But thank Him that He's made a way for you through Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Run to Him and be saved. And then show that you trust Him by obeying Him through baptism and membership and a life of love towards Him. Christians in this room, take a moment and ask God what it is that He wants to remind you of this morning. Is He calling on you to become more reverent towards Him than you've been? Is He calling on you to think more often about His glory around you in the world? What needs to change in your own thinking, your own beliefs, your own behavior? Because of what God has spoken to us this morning. Let's take a few moments. Let's each pray quietly. Let's each do business with God. If you want to talk with me, I'll be right here. But let's each respond to our God and His Word now. Let's pray.